pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled, buildings entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And, uh, of course, our pal Shag is still on his uh, apology tour of the United States. So, filling in for him, as always, is one of our favorite guests, Michael Bailey. Michael, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and unfortunately, that tour will not include Dragon Con. It'll be one of the few Dragon Cons that Shag and I won't be hanging out together. So... Aww. Yeah, yeah, it kind of makes me sad, even though he does nothing but give me crap. I'm going to miss him. Apparently my wife's going to miss him, too. Oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> well, we can't have that. we got to move on. I don't want to yes. have too many nice things said about Shaq here. Okay, so anyway, uh, yeah, Mike is here because we're going to be talking about two of our favorite issues of Justice League of America. As, as usual, generally, if, if I'm hosting the show and Shaq's not here, we're either going to be talking about classic JLA or uh, a, a, well, a Golden Age Aquaman story or a first issue special. So Mike was kind enough to talk about the Justice League this time. We're going to be covering issues 189 and 190 of the original series. The story Return of the Starfish Conqueror, featuring everybody's favorite JLA villain, Starro the Conqueror, of course. But before we get to that, we must thank our sponsor, Instock Trades. This episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InstockTrades.com. Instock Trades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for $50 or more. Mike, what do you got? I have JLA Deluxe Edition Hardcover Volume 3. These are the new printings of the Grant... Well, actually now, the entire series uh, has gone on beyond Grant Morrison's run. But initially, it was uh, reprinting Grant Morrison's books. Uh, this one uh, this one features the JLA's very first foe, Star of the Conqueror. And this reprints JLA 22 to 26... 28 to 31 and the 1 million issue. Now normally it's 29.99, but with the 45% savings at in-stock trades, you only pay $16.49. Good deal, good deal. And I love me some Starro. Uh, my choice is 
Unfortunately, this story uh, has not been reprinted. I don't think it's been reprinted anywhere yet. Uh, the DC showcase has never got up to this point of Justice League. So I'm getting as close as we can. And in that case, this is Showcase Presents Justice League of America Trade Paperback Volume 6, which is uh, 528 pages reproducing, uh, reproducing, reprinting Justice League of America's numbers 107 through 132, featuring work by Len Wein, Denny O'Neill, Carrie Bates, Jerry Conway, of course, and Dick Dillon and some other artists, but mostly Dick Dillon. The cover artist is uh, Nick Cardi, and it features uh, the JLA and the JSA appearing in front of the, the um, Freedom Fighters, so everyone loves that. The normal price, $19.99. In stock trades price, $10.99, 45% off. Great deal. You get a ton of JLA. So he said, Mike, you've got some modern JLA here. You've got some older JLA. All good stuff. So for this for this, and all your other trade paperwork needs, visit InStockTrades.com. And we thank them for their support. So, yes, Mike, we're here to talk about JLA 189 and 190. Uh, before we get started, did you? when did you read these stories? I actually read them about 10 years ago when I picked these issues up. Because uh, I've been slowly filling in my Justice League run, mm-hmm. uh, just because I I, I want to have it all. Superman's usually involved, so that's that's most of it. Plus, it's the Justice League of America. So, and I remember really liking them. But when you suggested reading these, I was like, man, it's been so long. I, I don't uh, I don't really remember. I just remember that one really awesome cover to 190 by yeah. Ballant yep. with the uh, with the fa- with the Justice Leaguers with the face huggers for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I was really happy though when I, I noticed the creative team on this being Jerry Conway and Rich Buckler because that's kind of a follow up to the time you were on Views and we talked about those three issues of Justice League of America that reprinted that never published Treasury edition. Right, right, right. So it's like, you know, I guess when we get together to discuss the Justice League Conway and Buckler have to be involved. <laughs> that, and that's a good team, man. I mean, th- this era of JLA is my JLA. I was 10 years old when these issues came out. I bought them off the stands. The copies I have of JLA 189 and 190 are the same ones I had when I was a kid. They are literally the same copies. Uh, I love this story. I think it is just classic superhero fun. The covers are set are both by Brian Ballin, and apparently the story was inspired by Ballin's drawing, which ended up being the cover for 190. Apparently he just did that as a drawing, mm. and, and Conway built a story around it, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm I absolutely this is my, this whole run from like 185 through around 210 is, to me, that is Justice League. And I mean, of course it features number 200 in the middle of that, which I've gone on and on and on about it. But I mean, well, it's, I, it's one of the greatest examples of literature in Western civilization. That's exactly so. right. That's exactly right. Yes. <laughs> I'll send you five bucks for that. So, yeah, these uh, I absolutely love these stories. So we're going to get going on the synopses here. Uh, JLA 189, as Mike pointed out, was by Jerry Conway, Rick Butler, and this the anchor is Frank McLaughlin. Frank McLaughlin, tough to say. Cover dated April 1981. The first story is The Return of the Starfish Conqueror. We open up on the JLA satellite where Black Canary is taking Firestorm through some training exercises. Firestorm sort of cheats a little bit, and when Black Henry calls him on it, he complains the course is, quote, too tough for anyone, because Firestorm's a big whiny baby. Uh, really, Canary responds, I run that course every day, Firestorm. And that uh, shames Firestorm into going back into his training. Back down on Earth, a young boy goes fishing where he reels in something odd. What he gets is it looks like the tentacle of a starfish. That is strange enough, but it's a tentacle that can zap you with an energy ray, which is even weirder. 
Uh, and the, that is the beginning. That's where we have the, uh, the title page, which says Return of the Starfish Conqueror, and we have our credits. The kid, now a glassy-eyed zombie, returns home, where his fin in a box zaps his mom and rotten jerk of a dad. He threatens to slap the kids. He's a bit of a jerk. So, uh, meanwhile, Wonder Woman and Red Tornado are having a picnic with Reddy's family in Central Park, where Diana is charmed by the love that Reddy's family has for him and vice versa. Suddenly, some sort of creature blasts out of a nearby lake, and it hits both heroes when they try and stop it. The creature is revealed to be Starro the Conqueror. Starro, for no good reason, explains how, how he survived the last time he tangled with the superhero, Aquaman, and now he plans to take over all of New York City. Meanwhile, Superman and Green Lantern, hanging out at the Fortress of Solitude, get a distress signal, and at the satellite, they see Black Canary and Firestorm tending to Wonder Woman and Reddy. Wonder Woman wakes up and tells them she now remembers who it was just before she got knocked out, Starro. They then head down to New York, where they vastly underestimate how much more powerful Starro has become. Starro has literally millions of tiny starfish duplicates who quickly attach themselves to the JLA's faces, taking control of their minds and bodies. Starro rallies the troops and sets his sights on the rest of the world. We then follow a lonely seagull as it flies from New York out to sea to a Navy battleship. Waiting for him is the rest of the Justice League, Batman, Flash, Aquaman, Elongated Man, Hawkman, and Hawkgirl. And it ends with the Navy general saying, if we can't stop this creature, we may have to destroy New York. And that is the end of this issue. Mike, what do you think of this? I'm hearing the end music to uh, that first part of Best of Both Worlds from Star Trek The Next Generation. (laughs) Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Well, uh, starting off from the very top, the cover is gorgeous. Uh, Silly looking, but in that, but so silly looking that it trips over into being awesome. You know, it's like the theory that, you know, you tell a joke, Right. It's funny. You tell it again. It's not funny. You keep telling it. It's suddenly funny again. Yep. Uh, a giant starfish on top of the Empire State Building should not be like a really dynamic ish- image. And yet with the lightning crackling in the background and the Justice Leaguers, especially Superman in the foreground with that thing on his face. Uh, it's just like, how could you not want to read this book and find out what the heck is going on? Brian's body language that he gives Superman is great because Superman really looks like he's struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the man, the, man, <laughs> the man's a genius, and there's just no other way to say that. Uh, I love uh, Rich Buckler drawing any of the DC heroes. Uh, he makes Firestorm look a little creepy on the second page in that second to last panel mm-hmm. where he's smiling because he's got pupils. Right, right. That's <laughs> I never thought of that, but you're right. We don't normally see Firestorm like that. Uh, but I, I do like the little interaction between him and, and Black Canary where she's pushing him and basically, you know, appeals to that part of his mind that is like, you know, a 17-year-old kid who's probably not sexist on purpose, but probably as a coach yelling at him, come on, ladies, you know, you run like a girl, whatever. And suddenly to have a woman shame him probably would kind of get him back into wanting to redo it. But I just love that she just laughs at him because Dinah has no time for your crap. (laughs) She has to deal with a lot of crap being in a relationship with Green Arrow. Uh, There's a real horror film vibe to the beginning of this issue when the little boy finds the piece of Starro that I love. I love when comics are able to mix genres like this. Because this feels like, uh, I, I saw Donald Sutherland as this dad, you know, just, just for whatever reason, like in uh, Invasion of the Body Snatcher. Yep. Oh, yeah. And uh, he is a jerk. I mean, he's just berating this kid, who doesn't care because he's under the control of Starro. 
And I love the shot of the mother getting taken control of. And it's just, it was just a really great way to open the issue and set the the tone that this, that this isn't going to be, oh, look, Snapper Carr has lime all over him and he's not controlled by this. It's going <laughs> to be somewhat more, quote unquote, serious. <laughs> Thank goodness. So. We don't need Snapper Carr in this story. Um, though I found out recently that there are people that will defend Snapper Carr uh, well, rather vehemently. So people are wrong. Um, okay, so the scene between Wonder Woman and Red Tornado's family, on one hand, it's kind of sweet. On the other hand, Wonder Woman looks like she's being kind of a jerk every once in a while. It's just like, she's like, John, oh, you mean Red Tornado? Like, no, his name's John. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she's just like, uh, when, um, uh, God, why can't I remember this woman's name all of a Kathy, sudden? Kathy. Kathy says, and he was more of a stranger of I knew because he's an android. Yes, Wonder Woman. We realize he's an android. She's trying to make a point. Just let her talk. So, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I like seeing Red Tornado actually do something, <laughs> which is kind of nice. The but the rest of the issue is just really awesome with the with Wonder Woman and, and, and Red Tornado having to fight Starro as he's coming out of the water, we get a really nice flashback to, you know, past uh, battles with the creature. Oh, did I love that? Oh, man. Yeah, just just seeing Buckler draw, you know, all you know the original team going at Starro and still making it look a little bit like the original artist, but still having his style in there, I thought was a really nice touch. Uh, and just seeing Sorrow taking control of New York City, this is what Justice League really should be. It should be high stakes, the world is on the line, and only these heroes can uh, can save them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, everyone's heard of that famous quote from Neil Gaiman where the, the golden age of comics is when you're 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, you know, as I said, I was 10 when this came out and, but I, I look at these comics and I reread them and I reread them and I feel like this is to me the perfect balance of what superhero comics are supposed to be because the characters are not 1960s interchangeable the mm-hmm. way Gardner Fox wrote them, but yet we are not so bogged down with it just being character bits. I mean, I never tire of watching the JLA hang out with one another. And this 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 issue is full of that. We've got Superman and Green Lantern talking about oh, their, I pat- love that. their power set at the at the Fortress of Solitude. Wonder Woman and Red Tornado having the conversation where Red Tornado was kind of getting to show uh, a different side of him to one of his one of his teammates. Uh, you got Firestorm doing training with Black Canary. I mean, they're all hanging out together, but it never bogs down to where you're not getting into you know, an action story. I mean, you've got all these beats going on uh, with the whole, as you mentioned, the whole thing with the kid. And, you know, there's a line that Kathy Smith has about where she says, you know, Wonder Woman, as you point out, is kind of a jerk where she's because he's an android. She says, what if he is? What does that mean, really? We don't judge a human being by how much of his or her body is flesh and blood. Look at the men who came back from Vietnam as paraplegics. I mean, that's Jerry Conway kind of way ahead of the curve now. You know, because we now we are completely used to seeing people with robotic arms and robotic legs. And, and for the most part, we don't, you know, it doesn't even draw any attention anymore. And here's Kathy Smith talking about this in 1981. You know, I mean, I thought that was a really, really sort of a progressive thing to throw into a character. And I love that she sort of schools Wonder Woman a little bit on it. 
as you talk about, I love the flashbacks. Uh, this was an era before I discovered comic book stores. So anytime there was a reference to a comic book that I didn't own, that was so exciting. And when Starro mentions that he took on Aquaman by himself, I was like, what's that story? I was so excited. <laughs> what's that story? You know, I didn't get to read that. Um, I love the creepy panel of the family feeding Starro in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. So he can get bigger. And the mom is literally just pouring, like, porridge on his face. It's just, just like, really, there's this giant starfish. It's, like, really creepy. And you see all the crap in the kitchen. Like, the you know, there's, like, eggs open. Like, the, they're just, they're all they're doing is tending the star and making sure he gets bigger and bigger. Uh, I love all that stuff. And then... I love that uh, Starro is sort of a, a dim memory for most of them. And when Wonder Woman brings it up again, it's Superman and Green Lantern. They're like, you know, <gasps> you know, because they were. Yeah, I love the like, look on their face on page yeah. 17. <laughs> and then they all then they all get back to New York and Firestorm shows off for Wonder Woman because he's sort of like, hey, this is my town. And Wonder Woman's like, I used to live here, Firestorm. He's like, yeah, but that was ages ago. And he he's kind of being a. A clown, and of course, he's the one who gets the starfish on his face first. And when he gets blasted, he starts uh, releasing his uh, nuclear energy just willy nilly because he's not under control. I just love all that character stuff that feeds into the story. I just think it's terrific. Yeah the uh, the scene with Green Lantern and Superman was really good because th- there have been issues of Justice League before where Superman kind of you know either privately or with somebody else thinks about, Oh, my powers, you know, what do they mean and such. And sometimes it's like really heavy handed. And here it's just two guys talking about the fact that one just internally and the other through his, his, you know, the ring he has, they have incredible power. So how do they deal with that? How do you let that not get to your head? And I love how just going, I just take one problem at a time. And that's how I deal with it. And Superman's like, yeah, I had to learn the same lesson. And I'm just like, this is two friends talking, you know, co-workers. But, you know, two guys that have been working together a really long time. So, and then they get the trouble alert and, you know, it's off. But, and this whole conclusion, I will say Buckler draws a very Neil Adams-ish Green Lantern towards the end of the issue. Uh, (laughs) Especially on page 21, that looks a little swipey um but <laughs> rich definitely did do that sometimes there's no doubt about it but at the same time you know if you're gonna swipe from somebody <laughs> neil adams green lantern is not a bad thing mm. uh to see in a book but no i just love that and and like you i love that firestorm is just a cocky jerk and he's the first one taken out yep so um, the only issue and it was so minor that i didn't even really think about it until i got done was we we see the other Justice Leaguers on the aircraft carrier, mm-hmm. and it's just like, well, how do they get there? <laughs> you know, it's like it's like this one minute they're all on the satellite together, and next they're here, and we're supposed to know that they're there. But with everything that happened in New York, I kind of forgot about that. So maybe that's on me. Um, Hawkman communicating with the Gull. Maybe a little goofy, but who cares? I mean, seriously. <laughs> oh, I've <laughs> always liked that. I, I always had. I mean, of course, I, I'm completely okay with Aquaman talking to fish. So Hawkman talks to birds. Why not? <laughs> but uh, I just love just that final shot of Batman and you know Aquaman with the. It's a little blurry, but he's got this huh? look on his face <laughs> when the general says it. And Batman just looks taciturn because he's Batman. He's Batman. <laughs> so, but no, just just like you said. This is kind of that perfect balance 
of super heroics, teamwork, and compelling storytelling that it doesn't trip into like either silly or overly serious. So unlike when like Gary Friedrich would uh, write an issue or Mike Friedrich, excuse me, I don't know why I said Gary, uh, where I thought that sometimes everyone got a little too monologue-y. Yeah, oh, definitely, uh, yeah. And all that, or Denny O'Neill, who was just desperately trying to give them different personalities, so everybody became like obnoxious. <laughs> like he, and that's nothing against him. He's trying something new, so it's it's not like a like an indictment. But here, like this, everyone's perfect. Everyone's on point. Everyone's all the conversations have some meaning to the overall story that's going on and gives you an idea that these people are more than just teammates to each other. So it was just it was just a joy to read or reread in this case. Yeah, the plot is developed through through character and action, but it's you know, it's Firestorm does things that are believable. Wonder Woman does things that are it's it's, you know, Superman doesn't make a mistake that gets his team in trouble. Firestorm does, which makes perfect sense because Firestorm is 10 issues into his membership yeah. here. <laughs> I mean, he's brand new and he's trying to show off. And I love that. And of course, Firestorm is Jerry's creation, so who would know better? But I think that's such a great detail. And I like I said the thing with Hawkman talking to the birds, I love the idea that the bird is sort of a spy. Mm-hmm. I just dig that. And I love that the bird is sort of spying in, in plain sight because, of course, nobody's going to suspect a bird of doing anything. You know, Star is not paying attention to the bird. Why would he? So I love that detail. I just thought that was tremendous. And I said Rick, Rick Buckler does a great job. I love the sort of – he's great at action. He loved the close-ups. There's a wonderful close-up of Black Canary on page uh, 16 where she's talking about uh, – she says Firestorm and I were working on a gymnastics routine. And it's just a big close-up of Black Canary. And it's a really beautiful drawing. It just looks great. I mean you said it's just – these guys are – this story is I said, just so much fun. Just it moves at a great clip, but it has time for these great little character beats. I said I love all the heroes at the end. I, I like the idea of the JLA being split into two teams. That you know they're like, hey, what happened to all the other guys? Uh oh, oh my god, New York's been taken over by Starro. And then seeing them all with the, the starfish on their face, I mean, it can't help remind one of Alien. Uh, obviously, it's got that mm-hmm. same look to it with the face hugger and stuff like that. And there's something about the way Buckler draws it that when Superman and Black Canary get the starros on their faces, it really you really feel the impact of it. It really feels like a real whammy and -hmm. it's this horrible moist thing on your face you know it's just kind of like awful so yeah i i dig it and and so of course the the part two was when star Wars rules the earth it's like what kid is not going to spend 50 cents to follow up on this and where else are you going to see somebody karate kick a uh a giant starfish a a, a giant starfish and it not look silly yeah (laughs) It's, it's great i absolutely love it uh before we move on to 190 i will say it's worth looking at the letters page because, of course, mm-hmm. the letters page features a letter by young Russell Burbage from Union City, Missouri. So brush with fame, everybody. It's Russell Burbage. I, 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 and if I'm correct from what Russell was talking about when I mentioned this on Facebook, um, they got his city wrong. So, <laughs> so when you say Union City, Missouri, it's just like you and Shag saying he's from, you know, Krypton or, you know, Candor or, you know whatever that island that uh Tyrock lived on yeah. <laughs> in Legion of Superheroes so yeah Russell had a lot of letters printed it's pretty impressive I tried I sent in a bunch of letters and I only really got I don't think I ever got anything printed in a Justice League so it's really quite impressive he had a good uh, 
he had a pretty good batting average. See, that's what we need to do at some point is get a bunch of us that were letter hacks together to kind of pull up some of our letters from that. Maybe, you know, get on an episode and read it. That'd be fun. fun. That'd be really good. We have to find T.M. Maple, see what's going on with that guy. (laughs) So, uh... The Mad Maple. uh, Yeah. uh, We're going to take a little break. We're going to run some podcast promos. And when we come back, we're going to talk about part two of this great story. So, we'll be right back. So, which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Ant Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto. So, both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? <laughs> Doc Samson. Who's he? Star Fox. That's a video game. The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Daredevil in... McBrain's Brain Drain. You don't need superpowers to know all these problems are the work of one man. But who? Footsteps, running, and the radar image of lots of money. But it's his pulse beat. His brain pattern is abnormal. He's under someone else's control. Wow! A powerful force field. I can't see it, but I can feel it. (laughs) I developed my brain and powers of concentration so I can force others to do my will and protect myself against anyone who dares interfere. Not even Daredevil has the brains or the muscles to get to me. I can't get through, but Hostess Twinkie's snack cakes can, and what human mind can ignore such great cakes? Hostess Twinkie snacks cakes? Mmm, delicious. I love that luscious sponge cake, that rich creamed filling. I knew it. He's concentrating more on the Twinkie snack cakes and less and less on his force field. Now I can get through. From now on, McBrain, you'd better concentrate on the good stuff like Hostess Twinkie Snack Cakes. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Twinkie Snack Cakes. And we're back. Uh, we're now going to be talking about Justice League America number 190, which is cover dated May 1981. It features yet another cover by Brian Bolland. And as I mentioned earlier, it was really this drawing that supposedly inspired the story. And what a cover. Mm-hmm. Seeing the entire Justice League covered in starfish faces. That is just a killer image. It's funny because his Batman doesn't really look like what his Batman would eventually look like. It's a little more, I don't want to say traditional, because I think, to me, Brian Bolland kind of revolutionized the way Batman looks, uh, both in Batman 400 and The Killing Joke. Mm -hmm. So here it's kind of interesting to see a more kind of Bronze Aegis approach to it, but just every, just everybody's hair looks like hair. Firestorm's, you know, fiery mane looks like it's on fire. I mean, it's just a beautiful piece of art. I I actually grabbed this issue out of the back issue bin specifically because of the cover when I first got it. And then I realized that the previous one led into it. So I had to go back for that. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it did its job. Yeah, it's just such a dramatic cover. It feels it's like a '50s movie. You know, it's just it's just fantastic. I absolutely love it. Although I wish Aquaman was on it, but of course that's the whole thing. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this story is called "Our Friends, Our Enemies." It's again by Jared Conway and Rick Rich Butler. But this time, this time the inkers are Bob Smith and Larry Malstead. 
So this is continued from last issue, of course. So we find the remaining JLA is not under Star's control aboard a battleship, along with a fleet of other ships waiting out in the Atlantic Ocean. By the way, I never even noticed that the Atom is not in this story. I completely oh. forgot. There is no. He's the only JLA missing. I don't know why. There's no Atom. But anyway, I'd love to have seen a tiny Starro. Tiny, tiny Starro. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, anyway, the Admiral in charge explains to the JLA that if Starro cannot be contained, they may have to lose a finger to save the hand and destroy New York. The JLA notices the Admiral says they have until nightfall to resolve this, and it's in that window that they think they can use. The JLA asks the Admiral to give them those hours, and he says, go ahead and try, and he says, may heaven help you all. And they all take off the battleship headed for New York. So back in New York, Starro is using the zombie jail layers to build a giant energy conduits to make himself more powerful. But he doesn't notice that Red Tornado is not actually under his control and is sneaking off heading out of the city. The other jail layers arrive wearing repeller discs of Thanagarian technology, because they have those, to keep themselves safe from the Starro drones. They split into teams and head off into the city streets. Aquaman learns from his fitty friends that Starro has some of his minions heading out of the city in boats, and he sees if he can, quote, dissuade them. He can, because he's Aquaman and he rules. And there's a wonderful sequence where Aquaman punches three people out all in one shot, which is, of course, one of my favorite moments of all time. He punches one guy, punches another guy, kicks another guy in the face. I love Mm -hmm. it. Meanwhile, Batman, Flash, Zatanna, and Elongated Man are down in the subways, and they also stop some Staroistas from getting out of the city. But not before Batman and Ralph notice something seems a little different about Flash and Zatanna. Red Tornado, unbeknownst to his fellow teammates, participates in a bit of sabotage by shutting down a major power station, keeping everyone in the city. At the same time, the Hawks discover the original little boy from last issue, alone and crying, starless, inside a giant restaurant freezer. Back to Tornado, who seemingly sacrifices himself to destroy a circuit board, cutting off power directly to Starro, who is holed up in Grand Central Station. Starro notices this and is none too happy to see all the JLAers before him, where they explain to him that they discovered that the bitter cold can freeze his duplicates, and they use that to free their other team members. Green Lantern and Firestorm combine their powers and zap Starro into a giant frozen block. Elongated Man wonders if the JLA might want to market frozen starfish on a stick. And that is the end of the story. <laughs> what I love about that is that the first one ended like a like a serious episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. This one ended like the trouble. It ain't no trouble at all, Captain. <laughs> all it needed is a freeze frame over the credits, you know, with all the jellyers laughing, like ha ha. But there's one dude in the background pouring a cup of coffee, and it's just overflowing on the cup. Yes, absolutely. A Glenn Larson production. That's exactly (laughs) what you need. Uh, What did you think of this part two? It was everything I wanted it to be. Uh, And I'm not kidding on that. It was action-packed. It it had uh, the requisite Bronze Age flashbacks that brought you up to speed. Uh, because you didn't know if you know this was going to be somebody's first issue, so why not? Uh, one of my favorite moments is the one that you highlighted in the uh, in the synopsis. Man, Aquaman is just a boss in this story. <laughs> I love it. Just runs at those guys, and it's just like I'm sorry. Like I hope he was holding back a little bit, otherwise he just killed three people. Because <laughs> um, Aquaman's strong. So, and this is one of those things that bugs me. And, and, and whenever I see a scene like this, I'm like, why do people make fun of this character? You know, you know, when done right, no can defend. I mean, it's just seriously. <laughs> um, 
I liked that we had that kind of 50s, 60s alien invasion thing. Well, we found out how to defeat them but through whatever means, like, you know, cold in this case. And the kid's trapped in the freezer, and that's how everyone puts it together. And I just love that when Starro's going down, he goes, no, no, I will not allow it. I'm still Starro. I was born to conquer, to conquer. And he's frozen. <laughs> I mean, it's just... Another thing I liked about this, uh, I'm like all over the place, I apologize, but I'm just so excited. No, no, one, no, one of the things I loved is that Batman goes into his fight with Black Canary. Sure, he's going to win, but still thinks it's going to be a rough time. Because yep. this is before Batman knew every fighting form ever. So I love seeing those stories where there are people that have a that have fighting abilities that Batman doesn't have. So and it also just kind of brings Black Canary up to his level that he thinks she's actually going to be a physical threat. That's a great so, moment. Yeah, that's a great. I didn't really think about that, but you're right. That's a that's a wonderful tribute to Black Canary that she's even within striking distance of taking him on. Yeah, so and it's a and it's a rough fight for him. I mean, you know, I just love on page 22, you know, her shattering the glass while he kind of moves out of the way and it's just you know, it, it's like a great mix of, you know, 60s style Batman punching uh with, you know, him just like, you know, flipping her over and then we get that nice pa- final panel where his capes kind of spread out around him, which I I'm sorry, you know, I, I'm I'm one of these people that that cape can be short, that cape can be 50 miles long, as long <laughs> as it looks badass, I don't care. So, <laughs> Red Tornado actually gets a lot to do in this issue, too, because he's the one that's freed of the control first. And I like his sacrifice, and, you know, again, this is this is kind of one of those things where Conway was putting it out there that this character has a lot of worth and has a lot of juice in the justice league and Buckler just draws the heck out of him throughout the entire thing. So, well, that's kind of a, (laughs) that's a, that's a matter of fact, you know, like evidence statement anyways, like, you know, Buckler drew the heck out of it. I mean, of course he did. So, (laughs) but I do love him ripping the, the, the fish off of his face on page seven though. Like, uh, okay, now no one can see me, so I'm going to do this. (laughs) Yeah, Reddy gets a lot to do, like, in this story, you know? I mean, like, Conway took a lot of time to give him some good... I mean, he gets the the stuff in the beginning, the character stuff with Wonder Woman in the first issue, and then he he really helps save the day here. He gets a whole bunch of solo stuff, which I think was great. I also like that the the kid wasn't obnoxious, because he could have been really, really obnoxious, because sometimes little kids in these stories tend to be. And I do also like that he was never going to be their official sidekick after this. So Yes, thanks. he was never seen again, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of great little beats. You mentioned the Batman-Black Canary fight. I love that when Batman tries to pull the starfish off of Black Canary's face, the body language that Buckler gives that, because mm-hmm. Black Canary's like writhing in pain. And it's you know she's like screeching, and he Batman just says like he's like my dear lord, now what are we gonna do? Because he realizes he can't take it off without killing her. I think that's a great beat. I mean it's it's resolved a whole one page later, but just that little moment is really great. And the way Buckler sells it, that you could just see the agony in Black Canary's body as he's trying to pull it off. Uh, I love that uh, when they they managed to sink a helicopter that's piloted by some Starro guys. And Hawkman is actually strong. Like, he's not strong enough to keep the helicopter from crashing. 
but he's strong enough to hold it up long enough that it doesn't kill the pilots when they crash it. Like, I love that. I think that's a great little detail that they're that strong, that they can keep a helicopter from at least, you know, giving it like a, not a soft impact as we see it smash, but the fact that they make the effort to save the lives of the pilots. I just think that's, I've always loved the Hawks. They are some of my favorite characters. I've always felt like they have not gotten a fair shake. And I, when they when they get great moments, I'm always really happy about that because I always dig those characters. I, th- I think the Hawks just fell prey to you know the post crisis blues essentially, yeah. for lack yeah. of a better term. That you know they, they they tried to make them more serious, and it's not that Hawk World was a bad series, but it's just it was just kind of wrong headed. Uh, you know, in, in a way to treat those characters, because I, I'm I, I'm a classic DC guy. You know, even though I grew up in the post-crisis era, my I was raised on the Super Friends, so and superpowers and stuff like that. So Hawkman, basically, if I had your action figure as a kid, I think you're important to the DC universe. <laughs> Cyclotron. You know what? I didn't have his figure, but if I did, I'd probably. <laughs> No, but except that god awful Orion figure, which was just kind of ugly, <laughs> and it was just an unwieldy figure. But no, seriously, if if you were part of that line and you were part of the cartoons that I watched, I think you're important to the DC universe. And so, while you know, I've never really you know, I followed Hawkman like when Jeff Johns was writing him. I I, I collected that book, uh, but and I really enjoyed that he brought Hawkman back after all of the missteps. Uh, but, you know, now I want to go back and read more classic stories, like especially, you know, like Qbert stuff from the 60s. Oh, yeah. So I have never understood why it's so tough to write Hawkman and Hawkgirl. It's, it's intergalactic space cops. With intergalactic a, you know, space like, cops, <laughs> Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, they have a cool spaceship. I mean, I, I, it's like in some weird way, I, if I was ever given a chance to write a DC comic and, and Aquaman was taken, I think Hawkman and Hawkgirl would be my second choice because it would be like intergalactic space cops married and they they have the cool ship and they like, oh my God. They just, like I said, I love them in JLA and I like when they got a lot to do uh i liked hearing conway layered in a couple of subplots there's this bit about where zatanna uses her powers to freeze a bunch of the starfish and she starts feeling weak and elongated man mm-hmm. is the only one that notices and she says something like please ralph don't tell anybody and that's because that and that led into the very next issue where we find out that zatanna's powers have been halved so that's a great little layering in. There's the moment where Batman and Elongated Man notice that Flash and Zatanna seem to be a little cutesy with one another. And Batman says uh, it's their concern, not ours. And that's that's a, a follow subplot from JLA issues 187 and 188. So I dig all of that. I love the idea that Batman, even for a moment, is a little bit of a gossip. I just love that <laughs> idea that he has to tell you his time for that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's, it's their business, but... Besides, guys, come on! It's Satana. Who are we really going to complain? Are we going to fault Barry for that? Come on! She's a single guy. I mean, even though she's got the bug in her head, she's still Satana. So I mean, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I said everybody here gets a little something to do. Hawkman and Hawkgirl discover the kid. Red Tornado is the one who destroys the power. Aquaman helps stops the guys from escaping. I mean, they said it's just. For a 24-page story, Conway finds – or 25 pages, Conway finds a lot of great moments for everybody, and then they come back as a team. I'd say my only complaint, and it's a tiny one, is maybe Starro's defeated a little too easily because once he loses his powers, basically all it takes is Firestorm Green Lantern to zap him, 
and that's it. But that's a very minor quibble because the rest of it is just so well done. The artwork, I said, it's, uh, Bob Smith and Larry Malshut are good inkers for Rich Buckler. I prefer McLaughlin. Uh, but but the, this book looks still looks really good. I love Hawk Girl carrying Batman in the air like that. Mm-hmm. I always love that stuff because it's like you have to really trust your friends to be carrying you that high up. I would always <laughs> this was the little... trust exercise. Yeah, the, yeah, like, exactly. JLA retreats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're good. Those are those Six Sigma things that they do together. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's terrific. And um, the other beat I love and is on page uh, four where Hawk Girl says to the Admiral. Give us those hours. All the JLAers, they they finish these other sentence. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a movie moment. If you had it in a movie, it would seem so fake. But I love that they go from person to person, finishing each other. You know, they they each have like four or five words, and then the next person moves on. I just dig that. I to me, it's like they're a great team. They're the Justice League. That's what it's all about. <laughs> and it, and I love that Hawkgirl's line was for all the good it may do. Like basically, what she's saying is, if we can't take care of this, good luck. <laughs> Somebody call in the Teen Titans. See what they can do. Yeah, maybe the Doom Patrol's busy. Uh, they're too busy uh, fighting Trigon around this time. That's right. That's right. So yeah, yeah. I, I just uh, I love the story. I just, I've reread it God hundreds of times over the years, and I just. It's so much fun. It, it reminds me of kind of like a non-cheesy Irwin Allen kind of thing where it's just a mm-hmm. big adventure. Got some great character beats. Everybody gets something to do. It ends with a joke. I mean, it really, to me, it's just, I, I just, this whole episode, I have a big stupid grin on my face because it's just such a pleasure to reread this thing. Yeah, it, it, you know, and you know this better than anybody else, is that the Justice League has had some low points in its various... <laughs> runs and such that's true so so to me this is the type of feeling that i think you know bruce tim and james tucker and all those guys were tapping into when they did their animated series Mm -hmm. like they wanted to make every episode like this where the the world was on the line and you know the, the 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 stakes were really high and what i love more than anything is something that you kind of mentioned about the first uh part is that all of the characters have something to do, but it's not like what they did is interchangeable with what somebody else can do. Right. Like the Hawks finding the kid come from them, cra- you know, helping that helicopter uh, to a safer landing than it crashing and bursting into flames. So I like that because it, it's, it's very organic. It's not like, you know, one minute they're saving it and it's like the next minute, you know, they're finding the kid. There's a reason for everything. Right. It's good. Right. Cause the helicopter crashes on the street and it's near a food market. And then it's <laughs> Hawk girl. Here's some like the sound of sobbing. And then that's what they find So Yeah. It's, it's a great lead in. <laughs> it's uh, the sound of future fans when uh, the Detroit league. Oh, now so, come so. on. <laughs> I was doing that just to get a little jab at Shag since he insults me every time uh, he mentions me on this show. So <laughs> Now, now, boys, come on, come on now. <laughs> You're both pretty. Yeah, exactly. You're both pretty. Come on. Uh, yeah, what's that is we said, speaking of pretty, these covers by Brian Bolland are just terrific. It's like everything about this. These things are unfortunately not available as reprints anywhere. Uh, I don't know if they're available on Comixology. If they are on Comixology, go pick them up because they're absolutely worth it. And if they're not, you can find them as back issues. They're probably not terribly expensive, but man, they are just, they're really a lot of fun. I cannot speak about them highly enough. Yeah, I, it's one of those 
reasons that when I, whenever I read a Conway Justice League story, especially when it's got the classic team, I'm never truly dissatisfied. It's like some are better than others, but it just seemed like he had such a great handle on this team to make them exciting and engaging and to layer in the subplots like you were talking about. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, and I, and I think this is, I, I am all for superhero comics kind of, you know, exploring, you know, sensitive issues or heavy issues or whatever. But I am also really a fan of stories that are just a, 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 a ball to read. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, these issues are not available on Comixology. I just found that. I'm just looking at them now. It goes from 185 to 192. What the hell, Comixology? <laughs> Yeah, this is the weird thing about Comixology is that sometimes they'll they like have weird gaps in it. Like it goes from issue two hundred all the way to two uh, to two thirty, and there's nothing in between that. So yeah, very strange. I'm sure they're working on it. I hope they're working on it at yeah. least because uh, I've been slowly picking up the early Silver Age stuff on Comixology, um, like an issue here or there, right. just uh, to eventually get an entire. Um, okay, this is the real reason I do it. Where else am I going to get Justice League number one, Justice League of America number one for a dollar ninety nine? Yeah, right. Yeah, right? I mean they're perfect. Yeah, you, you start dipping into the sixties, and that stuff turns <laughs> real expensive. So I can now say I paid two bucks for this. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, you can either wait for Comicsology or set, or like I said, pick them up as back issues because I don't think they're terribly expensive, and they're just they're just so much fun. As, as I said in the first half of the show. This is totally my era of JLA. This is my jam. This is my joy. I never tire of these, and these are the same damn copies. They're all weather-beaten and faded and everything else, but I would never part with them because I just I love them so much. So uh, do we have anything else we want to say about these before we wrap up, Mike? Nope. I, uh, I just really appreciate you having me on. All right. Very cool. So where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, Viewsfromalongbox.com, uh, which is my main podcast. Uh, where I talk about just about anything that really strikes my fancy. Uh, you can also find my Superman blog, which is fortressofbailey2.com, and that's the home to From Crisis to Crisis, which is another show I do where Jeffrey Taylor and I, because we're insane, are going through the post-crisis adventures of Superman. Uh, <laughs> we are starting to record new episodes after uh, Jeffrey had a really rough summer. Uh, so, uh, you, unfortunately we couldn't get together to record, but now we're trying to do that on a more regular basis and hopefully get that up again, because I am determined to, I'm determined to get this done because we're about halfway to our mandate. What I said to Jeffrey the other night is if we stop at 1996, that would be like Frodo and Sam stopping halfway, (laughs) you know, in the, in the Lord of the Rings and going, now we're going home. I mean, you got to go the rest of the way. So, uh, but yeah, and uh, actually, we'll be talking about Aquaman pretty soon because he was crossing over with that year one annuals uh, that oh, year. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, as always, of course, you can find our shows over on the network, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can find us over on Twitter at FW Podcast. So, thanks everybody for listening. Mike, thank you. Thank you so much for coming back on and filling in for Shag. Anytime, sir. Very cool. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and fire 
storm, fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice and see a land in Super friends forever. Yeah. The siege of Starro isn't over. From a single healthy spore, Starro will rise again to feed on your world. And this time, there will be no stopping. Ah!